Well, this morning I want to share something from the life of Jack Deere. He wrote a new book about some uh, major tragedy that he went through and about God's faithfulness in that tragedy. And seeing his example, yours may not be as intense as his, or maybe yours is a, a more intense situation. But ultimately, when we look at examples like this, it's to understand that what God does in one person's life, he'll do in your life. So as you see the redemption and this very, very uh, tragic, but also redemptive story, let it be an encouragement to you and me that God can do the same for us. As we looked at last week, 1 Corinthians 3 says, all things are yours. Whether that be the world, life, death, the present, the future, all things are yours. What Paul means there is everything given by God is available to every single believer. You know, he does not play favorites. So what he does in one person's life, a promise there in scripture, just as it's there for another believer, it's, it's there for you, it's there for me. You may not know Jack Deere, but uh, he was a, a very well-known professor at Dallas Seminary for 22 years. After that, became an author and a popular speaker, and he travels the world giving theological discussions. And so a lot of people in seminary are familiar with him because we've used his books. And again, you'll see that he had tremendous success, but that all changed in a very dark moment. He writes this, though. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. He saw the light was good, and although the dark was not good, he allowed it to remain. He separated the light from the dark, called the light day and the dark night. And against the great vault of night, he placed stars as guidepost, as a reminder that light is always pushing through the darkness. We're going to look here for a moment at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is one of those verses to, to memorize. We're going to look at one verse out of what Paul says here, 1 Timothy 1, verse 15, as we continue through this Lenten season, moving towards Easter. Look what Paul says. This is a faithful saying, worthy of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Let's look at uh, some of this story here for Jack Deere. As he shares, he grew up, unfortunately, his, his father and his mother, they fought often, and there was alcoholism and a real struggle. His mother was very mean. As he shared, he was just a young boy when one day his father took his own life. And now he's left without a father, the pain of losing him, living with an abusive mother. He says, from there, we moved in with my grandfather. And this man was just an evil person that beat him and just was a terrible man. And Jack Deere said the one regret he had is he lived with the grandfather, but then the grandfather died from alcoholism at a young age. And he said, my regret was I wanted to grow up and take revenge on this man. And he sat back and he said, you know, I've lost my father, alcohol, grandfather, alcohol, my mother, she's an alcoholic. And here's what he shared. At that time, I pushed away thoughts of God and forgiveness and all that silence, a voice appeared in my head. It told me I was cursed. Psalm 69 is a Psalm of David going through a very difficult time. And this Psalm, interestingly enough, the second most quoted Psalm in the New Testament, quoted 22 times. The most quoted Psalm is Psalm 22. They're both Psalms about Messiah. Verse one, David shares, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. He's about to go under so much is overwhelming him, the flood Whatever obstacles he's facing, he's up to his neck. 
Save me, O God, the waters have come up to my neck. I think a lot of people can identify with that. You know, there's a lot of fear and uncertainty in the culture, a lot of people feeling overwhelmed. But as you go through Psalm 69.1, what you find is that David then starts to speak of Messiah and the hope therein. And that's why the psalm is so quoted, especially in Psalm 69. It's quoted of Jesus, zeal for thy house has consumed me. And when the disciples saw Jesus in the temple challenging religious people, overturning tables, they quoted and said, zeal for the house of God consumes him. And may it be the same for us, that zeal for God's house consumes us, that we want to live a life honoring unto him. As somebody once said, let shouts of gladness rise, triumph in the skies. Now comes the king most glorious to reign over all victorious. Hosanna, praise and glory, our king, we bow before thee. What changed for Jack Deere as a young man, as a teenager, he got invited to go to hear Billy Graham. And he listened to Billy Graham and he just, he believed the gospel message as Billy Graham shared. He said he went home, stared at the ceiling, thought of all the promises he heard shared that night. And he said this, the promises washed over me in waves. He died for you. He will forgive you. He will give you a new life. And most important, he will never leave you. He will never leave you. He will never leave you. Josh James said it well. When you find an idea that you just can't stop thinking about, that's probably a good one to pursue. Let's stop for a moment and think about again this time as we're in Lenten season, moving again towards Easter, where a lot of people are feeling, you know, the water's up to their neck, they're overwhelmed. And to stop and think, you know, the promise is all things are ours because of who we are in Christ. And the promise is He will never leave you. And rather than to get caught up in, in, you know, the overwhelm, let's think about how we can expand more, give more, love more, be like Christ more. And if there's something in your heart that you can't stop thinking about, then maybe it's time to pursue that passion. Let me give you some examples of some people that didn't get held back by the critics or their circumstance. They moved to their passion and they reached the goal that they were after. And I'll give you some specific things you and I can move towards here in just a moment. Think about these, though, some famous starts from some people that reached real success in pursuing a goal, but look where they started. Michael Dell, the founder of Dell Computers, he was a dishwasher at a small restaurant before he had success. Chris Rock, the well-known comedian, a busboy at Red Lobster. Lucille Ball, everybody of course knows she was fired from an ice cream shop because she kept forgetting to add bananas to the banana splits. She later would turn that incident into a funny skit. Tom Hanks, a a peanut vendor at a minor league baseball stadium. Brad Pitt was a limo driver. Mariah Carey, one of the most successful singers of all time, fired from her job as a hat checker. But again, when we don't allow the fears, the overwhelms, or the critics to hold us back, Even in a culture right now where there's uncertainty and so many people are pushing negativity to stop and say, here's some things, specific things. I invite you to write these down. I invite you to try to do each of these, but grab hold of one, two, three of these. Here's something to consider, though, something Dan Miller shares a coach to do for the next 30 days. 
You want to expand more, be more, grow more. Here's some specific things to say, I'm going to do that in the next 30 days. In the next 30 days, find three ways to help someone out with no expectation of payback. In the next 30 days, what book will you read to help you grow personally and spiritually? Do two things you have never done before. Next is what enriching experience will you have by attending a concert, art exhibit, seminar, workshop, or class? And the next one, what are three specific things you'll do to strengthen the relationships that mean the most to you? Again, to stop and say, let's see how we can expand more and grow more and live out that life the victorious life Jesus promises is ours because all things are yours, all things are mine because of who we are in Christ. You know, Jack Deere became a professor. He went to graduate school and, again, became a very beloved professor, 22 years. Became very successful as an author and a speaker. And he said he did some investments and made a lot of money, had this dream life, married with kids and traveling, vacations, loving his career that he was living out that dream life. But that all came crashing down. His son at 16 discovered drugs. And as he would share, the drugs became a habit. And that habit became an addiction. And for the next few years, the addiction was overwhelming to the entire family. And he was sharing, you know, we try to do everything for my son to help him out. We sent him to rehab. We sent him to other states to go to rehab there. I took him on trips. We went to counseling. We went to retreat centers. He was homeless. We took him in. He would disappear. We'd go find him. We did all this for about three years. And he shared, unfortunately, one terrible dark day. His son lost that battle with addiction. And in depression and just grief, this young man took his own life. And Jack Deere would share, as dark as that is, and as anybody that could try to fathom what that would be like for a parent... He said that was only the beginning because his wife, Lisa, well, she couldn't cope with losing her son. And so she turned to alcohol and she couldn't function with it and she couldn't function without it. And they were about to go into some really dark times in about a nine year period of her in this alcoholism, in and out of treatment, broken promises, losing all their money. At one point, she left him for a year. But through it all, he was able to say what I'll share with you here in just a moment about the promise being true that he will never leave you. And again, your circumstance may not be the difficult level that Jack Deere faced, or it may be even more difficult, but come to the same understanding that even in the darkness, God put the stars there in the sky to show us his light is always breaking through. And so he's lost his son, and now he's lost his wife, and for nine long years, there was this battle, 
promises and broken promises and treatment centers and more treatment centers. And again, at one point she left him. And let's go back now for a moment to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Notice one word here. This is Paul towards the end of his life. Notice what he says again. This is a faithful saying and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Notice Paul does not say, I was the chief of sinners. He says, I am the chief of sinners. Paul, like all the saints down through the ages, understood that sin is still something they wrestle with. That each of us is imperfect. And it's only by God's grace and through Christ that we are perfected. Because he will never leave you. Because again, no matter how dark things get, Jesus laid down his life and took it back up again. And he is risen. He is risen indeed. And he says, the promises for you, for me, is all things are yours. Life, death, the present, the future, the world. And that's why we don't live in the overwhelm. And in those moments when we say, Lord, help me, I feel like the water's up to my neck, we then proclaim Messiah, zeal for the house of God consumes him, and his life, his perfect life, has redeemed my life, even though sin has riddled my very existence. That's why we celebrate every day who we are in him. I love this here. Jack Deere said one man who really helped him is a man named Gunner, a man who led Bible studies. He says what he learned about Gunner is a few years before he met him, Gunner had a daughter, and this man robbed the daughter and took her life. And Gunner said the entire town, a small town outside L.A., gathered together to hunt for this man. His name was Billy Rupp. And Gunner would share, it's a good thing I found him first because the rest of the town would not have let him live. And Gunner turned him into the police. He was convicted, put on death row. As Jack Deere shares, Gunner forgave Billy, visited him in prison, led him to Christ on death row. Here's a beautiful part. A columnist from the Los Angeles Times said of Gunner, I think I've just met my first Christian. What a great statement about somebody's life where somebody can say, I see the light in you. I see your overcoming spirit of grace and strength even in the valley because you understand the promise of who Jesus is and the world is dying to know that same promise. What happened for Jack and Lisa Deer today? They continue to minister. She is now free of the alcohol. I'll share how they got free here in just a moment. Let me share something, though. He learned from her when they got through one of these retreat centers and through counseling that she was severely abused as a child for seven years. I'll just read what he wrote about that. A photograph of Lisa from the second grade vexed me for years. In the black and white photo, 
bags appear under her eyes. What child has bags under their eyes? Finally, recently in our healing process, Lisa told me of the terrible abuse she suffered from her parents for seven years as a child. The bags I saw in the picture held the secret to her shame. My wife, Lisa, has been my partner for most of my stories. She has endured more trauma than anyone I know, and yet she still loves God and people. Instead of hiding the abuse of her childhood, now she stands on stages and tells her story to other women, and they weep and get set free from the prison of their secrets. Next to God, she is my hero. So again, your story, my story doesn't have to be as dark a valley or maybe it's even darker, but I'll share what they did to get free and you can do this. And and again, you don't have to have a story like this. It might be a difficulty you're facing at work. It, It might be a friend that betrayed you. I'll give you three things you can do here today. Two of them that they experienced and one I'll share from Tony Robbins. What did they do to get free? They said two things really helped at the final retreat center when they went through counseling. Remember, they've got all this pain and abuse from their parents, grandparents, and the pain of losing a son, and just a lot of things that are overwhelming. He said what happened and really helped is they sat down and they wrote letters to all the people that had wounded them. And they were very honest in those letters. Here's what you did. Here's how I felt. And here's what I think. And then they burned those letters. You can do that as well. Could be for somebody alive. Could be for somebody dead. Write out an honest letter. This is what you did, and this is what I feel, and this is what I think. And don't censor it, you know. Be honest. But again, you don't have to be reconciled to that person, or maybe it's not possible to be, but it brings healing when you release that. The second thing he said really helped is then they imagined, again, some of the people had died, some were still alive. They imagined those people standing before them, and they just unloaded all the rage and hurt and anger and pain on that person as if they were there and said, you did this and this is what I think and this is how I feel. And as he would be very honest, he talked to his grandfather and told him all the rage that he had and all the pain he wished he could have inflicted. And there's healing in releasing that anger so it's no longer trapped in our body. Maybe it was a year ago, maybe it's 50 years ago something, but to be very loud with strong emotion. You can do this on your own or find a counselor, but to be very honest. I'll give you another thing you and I can do that we should do. It's called effective blaming. I learned this from Tony Robbins. Effective blaming is to not just blame somebody for the negative things they brought, and you might be very justified in that blame, but it's also to blame them for the good things. You see, if you're going to take back your power, you can't let somebody have that power over you just in a negative light. And effective blaming allows you and me to take back our power from somebody that maybe had done something wrong. So for instance, maybe a parent was abusive and you can say, you know what, I blame my parent for being abusive. But now find something good and it may just be the opposite of that thing. You know, you might say my mother, she was abusive and I blame her for that. But then you might say, I also blame my mother that I've got a kindness about me because I choose to live as a giver. 
Maybe somebody betrayed you and say, I blame that person who betrayed me in this business deal. But I also blame them that I'm going to commit my life to being honest and living with integrity. Find a way not just to blame people for the negatives, but blame them for the positives as well. And that way, again, the power is no longer there with the other person. It's in you and I choosing to reframe things in an empowering way. Maybe you've seen some religious people. You say, I blame those religious people for the heavy weights they laid on my shoulder. But then also blame them that I now know Christ because I've thought, sought out an authentic faith that's based upon grace alone. Jack Deere would write this. After going through the darkness and the valleys and now continuing to minister to people from a, a different place. One truly good person was born into this world. This is the truth. There is another great truth. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you friends. Jesus said this to his disciples on the night of his crucifixion. The only truly good and holy person wants to be our friend, despite our messiness and failed attempts to clean ourselves up. The harmony of these two truths is the seed from which life flourishes. For all things are yours. Whether it be the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all things are yours. And no matter how much darkness, God has placed stars there to show us the light is always shining through and we live and breathe and know he will never leave us nor forsake us because he is risen. He is risen indeed.